It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We brought you damn good beer, and now we're delivering to you damn good beef. So damn good, you can now get Hassle Cattle Company beef at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York. That's right. Couldn't resist putting this damn good beef in our own bar. And you know what? If you want to get it at home, you can. Just go to H-A-S-S-E-L-L-CattleCompany.com and use code DNVR15 right now for a very special 15% discount each and every time. And you know orders over $200 will get you free shipping. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee will improve the quality of your morning because it is rich in CBD and CBG. It's going to have you feeling as great as I've been since their CBD-infused coffee helps with chronic headaches, joint pains, and so much more. Plus, you get zero coffee jitters if you have three or four cups a day like I typically do. And you know what? Now they can deliver to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks, whatever you need. And you can now get 25% off your first purchase when you use code DNVR. 25. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and with me today is our very special guest. You may know him as Mr. AZL. You may know him as the 12.35 p.m. first pitch gangster, the Chandler assassin. That would be Mr. Justin Wick of Purple Row. What's going on, buddy? Man, that's the best. I feel like I'm a part of like a serious building announcement or something after that one. Man, I got to make sure that we're stepping it up on this show to live up to all the hype right here. My particular favorite nickname of yours that existed, and I didn't just make up, is the 1235 first pitch assassin. I already forget what the nickname was. (laughs) (laughs) That was it, man. Arizona Fall League guy to know what's there's baseball going on at 1235 p.m. on a Monday. Yeah, (laughs) that was it, man. Arizona. There is an Arizona. And believe it or not, there were still people just pounding beers at 12.35 on a Monday afternoon down here in the Arizona Fall League. I don't know what's not to love. This is everything you can ask for and more right there. I mean, I wasn't because I was working, of course, but the fans were anyways. So whenever they announce that the game is only going to be seven innings, because sometimes that happens if there's a bit of a pitcher shortage, it's it's kind of a, of a win-win situation in a sense, or rather it's a no-lose situation, because if they stop serving beer, after the seventh inning, well, guess what? You That's actually right. don't have to stop your drinking for the entirety of the game. People just get, I mean, what's not to love? Seriously, this is this is why everybody's got to come down here and check it out right there. And, you know, it's funny you say that. We had that exact same discussion trying to figure out. You know, we did the fifth inning stretch a couple times to account for the seven inning matchup. So we're going to have to adjust for it. But, you know, it sounds like we were able to draw in some extra revenue all the way through the end of those first pitches. So needless to say, we made it happen a little bit. 
And there were some good crowds out there. Again, if we're talking Monday, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday, like people have jobs. Not anyone that goes to the Arizona Fall League, but again, a lot of, a lot of retired folks and then people like taking <laughs> a day and saying, you know what, this is a special opportunity to see so-and-so play. But how about that crowd at the Fall Stars game at Salt River Fields a couple weeks ago, the All-Stars, the best players uh, in, in all of October and November together. That was a really great crowd for that game. That was something that was really special. I mean, anytime you're able to pack a couple thousand people in a ballpark, you know, in the middle of November at the same time, like it's, it's very interesting. And it was a really interesting dynamic for me getting used to, you know, the marquee reason that a lot of these venues exist or all of these venues for in Arizona exist is for spring training. And there's always just such a demand for, you've got the spring breaks of so many people, you've got the vacations, I mean, even myself growing up in Colorado, it was always our family trip every year was coming to see the Rockies in spring training. And just to realize that, you know, the game has grown so much over the years. There's such a high demand for it at a high level. And people just appreciate being at the ballpark like they do. I think that was really the special moment of recognizing that, you know, we had that ball game on November 13th and were able to pack as many people as we did in the Salt River Fields. And it was something that was really gratifying. I think it's definitely a testament to the staff that we truly had because we were able to put together such a comprehensive event like this in such kind of a short time frame of just how isolated this league is. It only lasts for 30 games. So, you know, certainly to the help of MLB Network being able to put this on TV, to the help of just kind of living in the, if I may, kind of the baseball epicenter of at least for the month of October and November where it was just so much going on in Arizona and it was very cool that this was, you know, the marquee event. This was something that our staff was talking about saying, you know, on that particular day, we were essentially the epicenter of the baseball world. And to recognize that so many people shared in that moment, so many people were appreciative that we were able to put that on. And so many people just sincerely cared about these prospects and where they're going to be. I know it was, it was very cool from the inside looking out and recognizing that a lot of these players were just as gracious as a lot of these fans and, you know, here we are on the backside of this whole Arizona Fall League. And I must admit, I'm a little devastated that it's over. But, you know, it's one of those that you are so happy that it happened. And, you know, if I have the if I can hold that same position that I had this fall for the next 25 years, I would I would sign that paper right now that we had so much fun this year. And this is something that I'm hoping that I'll definitely be around. Yeah, it's such an amazing environment. And as you said, with MLB Network covering the Fall Stars game, as well as the championship game, we'll get to that. But that, I think that definitely highlighted what's going on in Arizona in mid-October to mid-November. And just with the people that were coming down, you know, Eric Longenhagen from Fangraphs, who's a big prospect guy. I got to hang out with Jonathan Mayo a bunch there. I uh, learned he was originally from New Jersey. I haven't mentioned I'm from New Jersey originally in a while. <laughs> so I figure that's a good place to both name drop this my state and name drop uh, someone <laughs> I was hanging out with. We got a big box. timer. Yonder Alonso, <laughs> former Rockies. He was there. Right. He's, he's been crushing it with the MLB network. So that was really nice to see all those guys. Mike Farron, who's down there. He's a staple in Arizona broadcasting. So I think all of that really, you know, brought, brought a, a good highlight to what happens in the Arizona Fall League. And yes, the crowd too, I think, did a you know great job because, you know, again, weekday games, you're getting a few hundred, you know, maybe 500 to 1,000 coming to it. And and they do what they can, and it's nice. And again, the players are there to develop. But for that Fall Stars game, crowd was really behind. You know, a fly ball, lazy fly ball to left center field 
they were really going crazy. Like it was the seventh game of the world series. And so I really appreciated that. And although at the beginning of the season, you know, there, there was some speculation that, you know, there wouldn't be any really opportunities for autographs and stuff. And yet the players were out there signing for, for any kid that, that even knew who they were, you know, the, the fourth guy in the, in the rotation down for the Tennessee Smokies or whatever, <laughs> whatever double a or, or low a affiliate you played for last year, they were out there cheering you on and they signed. And so like, all of those things went down and it was just, just one of the most beautiful things you could see in the game of baseball. You know, I definitely agree there. And I think part of the gratifying thing of this, and this was something that I was during the championship, just, I guess it was this past Saturday, this past Saturday, they had the Darnell Stinson sportsmanship award was awarded to Logan Ohapi of the Philadelphia Phillies. And he received the award on the field. And then I went back to just the room in the press box that I was in and Logan was there and it was just him in there. And he's like, Oh, Hey man. And I'm going, Oh, what's going on? Like, all right. So, I mean, I sat down with him and for three or four innings, him and I were just chopping it up. And exactly to your point, like you were talking about, you know, just first and foremost, one of the most put together guys that I had the privilege of meeting while I was down here, but hearing his stories of, the player perspective and recognizing that so many people were just so appreciative of being down here. And I suppose there's always kind of an underlying action of if people are sent to the Arizona fall league, it's either one of two things. One being they really want to expedite their development and these organizations really believe in them or two it's, this is kind of your last chance to make the 40 man roster. You're kind of at the chopping point of at what point is this really going to come together for you? So this was something that, you know, I was thrilled talking with Logan and hearing that, you know, everybody on his team and everybody that he ran into, it was just a sheer appreciation for the game, just a great appreciation of even being able to put this uniform on. So that was that was probably the more gratifying moment of or I shouldn't say the most one. There were a lot of gratifying moments, but recognizing that, you know, how sincerely appreciated it was and how much these players were just so passionate about being down here. That's certainly a testament to how committed these guys are. But you know, that's something that definitely the pulse of this league is through thick and thin sticking it out. And especially after last year when it was canceled from COVID, it came back. I think I can say it came back better than ever. And, you know, it's very cool to see these players were definitely buying in as much as the fans were. Let's get to some of those Rockies prospects as well. There were, I believe, seven that were uh, on that original list. I know Willie McIver was kind of an alternate. So, you know, he obviously didn't get a, a ton of playing time, but uh, let, let's see if I can run through the list off, off the top of the dome. We had Michael Tolley at first base, Ryan Vallade in the outfield, Billy McIver, as I said, and shortstop Ezekiel Tovar. On the pitching side, you had starting pitcher Matt Dennis, as well as relievers Reagan Todd, Jordan Sheffield, and Jake Bird. Yeah, so there were eight, but seven uh, full-time guys. I actually got to see a game down there where there was five in the lineup, and I thought that's right. That's that's going to be the record. And in fact, that it, it was all the position players were in there, plus Matt Dennis as the starter. And I think Jake Bird even came into relief. What what stood out to you about uh, of the games that you saw from the Salt River Rafters uh, from those Rockies prospects who jumped out at you? Sure. You know, I thought it was very cool. And it was, pre I mean, I think Reagan Todd, first and foremost, is just the guy that was the big standout and recognizing that, you know, it was, I probably should admit my own bias a little bit. I, I actually worked out with Reagan Todd when I was in college and when I was in high school. So him and I go back quite a bit. So I don't know if, I mean, I, I kind of need to come clean with this because you never really picture, I mean, yes, you see these guys and you develop a relationship, but you know, when he got called up to AAA, I was just like, 
you know, there's such a huge divide. It wasn't that I didn't believe in him. It was just like, it, it was so removed from who I remembered he was in high school type of thing. So all of a sudden I'm seeing him down here in the fall league and recognizing that, you know, he's carving through people. I think he gave up one solo home run. It was a two run shot. And that was the only damage that he gave up the entire year. So seriously, one swing of the bat, you get rid of that. And he would have just had a perfect showing. And I think it was very cool, especially recognizing how much of a hitter friendly league this is that, I mean, the ERA, if I'm not mistaken, the salt river Raptors had a 5.21 ERA and it was the second best mark out of all six teams in the league. So meanwhile, I, I put this together. I know the Rockies had a 4.83 ERA in the big leagues and it ranked 25th out of 30 last year. So that just tells you how much of a hitter friendly league the Arizona Fall League is. And the Rockies pitchers combined to post a 2.88 in the Fall League. So anchoring already one of the better pitching staffs in the Fall League of the Rafters, it was very much the Rockies that were coming together and doing it. So I feel like if I didn't lump all four pitchers together into one to say this was the surprise, this was the good sign, you know, I'd be doing all of them a disservice. I thought it was very cool to see, especially Matt Dennis, the kind of walks and the free passes that he was allowing during the minor league season. He definitely cut back on those. He only allowed two walks in just shy of 17 innings, if I'm not mistaken. So he put together a very solid body of work and, I mean, it was reflected just with the whip that he had, the batting average against. He was controlling the traffic. Maybe he got hit kind of similar to what he did during the minor league season, but it was with a lot less base runners and he was able to get big with it. So I guess the only thing that I would add from the pitching front, Jake Bird, his whip was higher in the fall league than it was during the minor league season. But at the same time, he had a better ERA. So I think it's kind of a double-edged sword of, yes, you're pushing into November, your body's getting tired. Maybe you don't have the exact control of your body just as you did in the middle of May or in the middle of June. But when he needed to be big in big situations where there was traffic, maybe he was playing with fire a little bit. But out of the middle of nowhere, this is a guy that made the big pitches that did what he needed to do. And I think that's just as much of a sign of development as possibly not allowing those walks in the first place. So I think there's a lot of upside to be said there. Um, if we go to the hitting side, you know, it's I thought it was really interesting to see how if you compare minor league stats to fall league stats, a lot of these guys had a worse slugging percentage, but a better batting average during the fall league. And this is something that funny. I almost, Patrick, I almost texted you about this because I was trying to figure out rationale going. I don't necessarily understand where it came from, but, you know, sure, you've got more refined pitchers. Yes, they're tired. This is a hitter friendly league at the same time. So that was something that I thought was interesting. I don't think you can weigh too much on Ezekiel Tovar's batting slash was, if I may, the worst out of the four, but at the same time, he was the low, he was the least developed and he didn't make it out of high A. And at the same time, he's 20 years old here. So I think there's even a lot of excitement to have from there. You know, he left the yard on multiple occasions and that was just a welcome sight to see, especially from somebody like that, building some confidence as he progresses into spring training. So, you know, I could probably talk about this just off the cuff for another four hours at this point, but it's very cool to be able to see this firsthand. And I would say, you know, from the pitching standpoint, I think that just because of the dominance of what the Rockies were able to put together throughout October and November, it could certainly reflect itself pretty soon on the 26 man roster. And, you know, assuming that the bullpen is somewhere that the Rockies are really going to need to address some struggles. I definitely think that Reagan Todd is the go-to guy. And I think that he's pretty much done everything that he needs to, as far as pre spring training, he's already laid the groundwork and I think he could be making a debut sooner than a lot of people expect. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, Jordan Sheffield was, of course, a part of that group, but only through one inning. So really that, that low ERA is attributed to Matt Dennis, Jake Bird, Reagan Todd. And, and Jake, you know, Jake Bird did really well at the AAA level. Again, the one thing you brought up that should really jump out for folks is this idea that you can't just look at a player's stats when you're trying to look for some value or look for a player who maybe was overlooked in the minors. You need to look at what the league average stats are. So if you look at what the league ERA is, well, were they better or worse than average? And when you're talking about the Arizona Fall League, where there's a lot more runs scored, and when you're looking at the formerly Pacific Coast League, you know, the, the AAA West, as it were, again, that's got an incredibly high ERA. So when you look at those numbers, it's really impressive. And as you're saying, I, I think there's there's a bit more depth to Rocky's system than, you know, they, they might be getting credit for. Now, when, when prospect, prospect rankings do go out, a lot of it is going to be top-heavy with the best prospects, you know, and, and where that's at. And we know there are, there are a few years uh, away from from seeing the Zach Veen, Drew Romo, Benny Montgomery, you know, all those guys are a few years away. So we're not going to see the impact of those players for another year or so when it comes to the organizational rankings. But when it comes to just those depth pieces, when bullpens really beat up and you need to make those moves, we, we saw it a little bit this year with kind of seemed like it was an, on a rotating basis between a Justin Lawrence, Ben Bowden, for the first part of the season, a little bit with Lucas Gilbreth. So you had these guys shuttling back and forth. And I think there might be some of that uh, with, with this group, you know, Matt Dennis, of course, he had to repeat double a Hartford in 2019, as well as in this year, but Jake bird definitely has some promise and Reagan Todd definitely was the standout this year. And, and Ezekiel Tovar was too, in so many ways for a guy that was basically like the little brother of your buddy, who's like three, four years younger. And you're like, well, just let him play because he loves it. And you go back and look and go, he didn't get destroyed. Like he put the ball in play. We didn't strike him out every time. He made that one play over at third base. And you're like, no, he's he can hang with these older kids. And what happens when when they hit your age and when they get to high school, you go, oh my God, this kid is dominant. In eighth grade, he could have been playing varsity. And that's who Ezekiel Tovar is. And so sure, right now his numbers might not jump off the page, but you go, well, if this is what he's doing at 20 years old against talent that's four years older than him. That's, that's incredibly impressive. Michael Tolia, how gigantic of a man is this young man? That, that's what I want to know from you. Man, you know, it's funny too. And like, I, I don't mean to like comment on like physical looks by any means. He, he looks like a young high schooler, like facial expressions, which it's so deceiving because it's like he plays like he's a kid out there. You see him like on a on a camera and you'll just look, you know, he he looks like the stereotypical prospect if all you're doing is seeing him on a television camera. And then all of a sudden you're standing next to him as he's taking the field for the Fall Stars game and you just see an absolute man child that just epitomizes. I mean, he looks like he has so much fun out there just because of the way he like the way he handles himself, the way he goes about his business. And, you know, just reflected in, we saw three home runs out of them. Two of them were in the first week, which was very cool because it created a buzz about a Rockies player that really was standing out early on. So he got off to a very hot start. He cooled off a little bit in the final weeks of the season, but he was still able to put the ball hard in play on multiple occasions. And, you know, just, just a big dude. Like, it's, it's so deceiving, especially, you know, you're surrounded by a lot of other prospects and, you know, just being around in the dugout and on field level, seeing these people walking by and seeing that, you know, there's a lot of just physicality going on. 
it's like Michael Tolia is outshadowing even some of the biggest prospects that you'll run into. So that was something that was very fun as far as just recognizing, you know, the Rockies have a guy that for years to come, as far as if I put my scout cap on, just seeing that this is a guy that can be projectable. This is somebody that can handle the rigors and especially handling these rigors this late into November. That's something that the Rockies could have very well said, we want to preserve this guy from just how big and physical that he truly is. But they're like, no, we're going to roll him out here. We're going to see what he can come up with. So I think that was cool as far as, especially on the heels of the COVID canceled 2020 minor league season, just seeing a guy like Michael Tolia being thrown out, kind of thrown out into the wolves this late and that big of a body of work. That's something that I think it speaks really well to what the Rockies are looking to get out of him. I think that also kind of answers, you know, a little bit of a decline in slugging percentage throughout the fall league season very much just because this is this is hard to do. Like this is a very rigorous setting. This is very tough to play in, especially this late in the year as a hitter. But I think this is something there's a lot of upside to be had from there. I think this is something that's going to pay dividends for the Rockies moving forward. And especially as he inevitably makes his way into the big league rotation in that infield. I think that the Rockies are looking at a guy that's prepared to handle such a lengthy season and. You know, it's tough to really project that from somebody that's as big as he is, but this is a guy that could be a staple in that infield, and I think that's going to be very fun to follow for the next couple of years. Once more folks get to lay their eyes on him, I think you'll start to see him shoot up the prospect rankings. I think there's a chance probably by midseason we could even see him in the back end of the top 100 prospects. And, you know, the more folks that come and see the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax and York, the more they love them. And we love you guys. Thank you for all the members who keep coming out to these watch parties. We've got them going on all week long. We even open up on Thanksgiving at 5 p.m. So come check that out. Abs and Nuggets on Friday, on Saturday, an all-day watch party with Rams football and basketball, CU, as well as Avalanche that night. And, of course, Broncos are back on Sunday. So come check that out. Remember, you can join the DNVR.com for just 50 cents for your first month. And an annual membership gets you a free shirt from dnvrlocker.com. We're serving Hassle Cattle Company beef. We also have got Breckenridge Brewery, hard seltzers, as well as their typical strawberry sky, vanilla porter junior, all that great stuff you love. Members only discord, so you don't have to worry about politics or a-holes, all that stuff. Talk to hosts and diehard fans like yourself. So make sure you are signed up and you're hanging with us at the DNVR. We also have a new sponsor we're love, we love to bring to y'all and, and are proud to bring to you. It's Snooze Mattress and SnoozeSleep.com. Their Snooze Flip is the most universal mattress on the planet. It's designed to fit everybody, and it's got a four-in-one mattress built in. So you can choose soft, firm, cool, or cozy. You can also flip it to choose your comfort level, and then you zip it with a reversible and washable temperature-regulated cover. It's fantastic. It comes with a 122-year warranty to back it. It's made by Colorado and designed for the world. Use code DNVR when you visit snoozesleep.com and receive $250 off a mattress and $250 off adjustable base when using code DNVR. And if you get the dual split king with adjustable base, it's $1,000 in savings, seriously, with code DNVR today at snoozesleep.com. Sexy pizza, you've been wanting to know what that is. Hey, if you're coming out to the Broncos tailgate, you already know with the all-you-can-eat pizza from Sexy Pizza. They're a Denver community staple for 13 years. Got pizza right here in your backyard with four locations in Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, and Park Hill. It's delicious because it's hand-tossed. It's also deck oven pizza with made-from-scratch-each-morning dough. They have some five specialty pies called philanthropies, 
where a portion of every sale gets donated to various nonprofits right here in Colorado. And if, if you want to link up with them, check out their about page on www.sexy.pizza. And you can find out using the donations link to see how Sexy Pizza can support your cause. Again, four locations in Denver with one in Trinidad, Colorado coming soon. One of the cool articles that you wrote recently, Justin, over on Purple Row, I recommend everyone to check that out. And I'll have some links on this, this uh, episode of the podcast below. So you'll be able to click those bad boys is you rated the stadiums for the Arizona Fall League. And I definitely would have to agree with you, number one, Salt River, River Fields, it's it's definitely the best. And Scottsdale, I wasn't sure about it as a number two, but I, but I think it is just for that uniqueness. Maybe talk a second about how great those are before I take you to task on one of them. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to work on this, absolutely. You know, it's funny as far as – Salt River Fields, I think that it's it's easy just to kind of recognize that as the pantheon of the Diamondbacks wanted to lure their hometown fans. They needed a good reason to put something up like they did. And it just so happened to be the Rockies were the ones that were still sticking it out in Tucson back in 2010. Opens in 2011. They did it up. It's all of the big league testing that they needed for the Hawkeye system. They started out at Salt River Fields. It's been a great setup just ever since that they've established that. And, you know, it's... I mean, I suppose there's a reason that, you know, the Fall Stars game and the Arizona Fall League Championship every single year, or at least a lot of these years, are being hosted by Salt River Fields. So I was thinking about this. It's funny. My dad and I were actually talking at length about these rankings yesterday. And I would probably say if you put Scottsdale Stadium in any other neighborhood in greater Arizona, I mean, just the footprint of where it is, is it's perfect. It's literally, you could not put a ballpark in a better place in Arizona, in my humble opinion. If you put it anywhere else, I would put Sloan Park at a solid second. I'm a huge Sloan Park fan as far as, you know, they've put that just in a great setup over by the Mesa Riverview. You've got great mountain views. The seating is, I think the sight lines at Sloan Park will rival pretty much anywhere else that you're going to go check out a ball game. It's got the whole Wrigley rooftop action over left field. And I, it, that's grown on me as a matter of fact. I mean, the more time that I spent at Sloan park this fall, I was like, you know, I actually really like this place. And the only reason I hadn't been there any more than I had previously is because Cubs spring training tickets are so damn expensive. And that's the thing that kept me out of it. So anyways, I like Scottsdale stadium from the intimacy standpoint. I would strongly recommend anybody to check that out. Again, giant spring training tickets are going to be probably the most expensive in the Cactus League just for the very reason of it's such an intimate environment and it's so limited and it's in such a great neighborhood. So that's something that I've always kind of at least paid attention to. It's not necessarily the way spring training was 10 or 15 years ago where tickets were a lot more affordable, but I would say, you know, it's... I need to put the disclaimer that the only reason Scottsdale Stadium is number two in my mind is because of the location itself. But if we are talking about ballpark and if we're talking about atmosphere, I would probably say Sloan Park is a good second right there. And, you know, all the while there isn't a bad venue down here. That's the cool part about this. And especially when you're able to see so many of these just high caliber players in these intimate environments, that's something that's always really stood out to me. And that's something that I've always been pretty excited about. So that's something that I've paid notice to something that, you know, my rankings have subtly adjusted a little bit throughout having seen it from the inside and recognizing 
Patrick, you, when you were down here, you saw the Scottsdale Stadium press box. My humble opinion is the Sloan Park press box is like perfect and huge fan of that setup. So I feel like that's a little bit biased and a little bit warped if I start taking it away from the fan standpoint. But, you know, at the same time, there really isn't a bad venue. And this is a lot of fun to be able to check these places out. Yeah, no, there, there's a reason they chose those six over any of the other ones. It, so it absolutely makes sense. I, you know, Scottsdale is the best of the older style ballparks, which there really aren't very many. I think it's just that and Hohokam, right? Or maybe Tempe Diablo is more sure. of the, the old school stadium. Uh, I think it was built in like 1992, but you're right. It's that, it's the intimate feel. I like what they have out in right field. The, they kind of created their own little party deck. I think an homage <laughs> to Coors Field, uh, staying within the NLS division there. But it, it definitely gets extra points for where it's located in Scottsdale, where even after a game, you still kind of want to hang around in the area, find a nice restaurant and stuff. But Camelback Ranch, you ha- so I agreed with you about Peoria as being sixth. Yeah, that, that can go there. And Surprise is towards the bottom too. But Camelback Ranch, I, I really like Camelback. That, that is almost at a near tie with Scottsdale. But it's, it's a mini version of Salt River in a sense, right? I like the yellow seats. It has uh, has that vibe of Dodger Stadium to it. There's Gabian walls, which those are the walls where it's just a bunch of rocks stacked on top of each other. That's kept <laughs> in with a fence. That is what they're called. I'm not that a is very cool. Big guy. vocabulary word out of this but guy. The Gabian right walls are <laughs> amazing, and so and you know again, if you walk around the complex, right, they've got their their waterways and all that stuff. But even just the stadium alone. Why, why you're just hate, are you just hating on the Dodgers or what is it that has that in the back half rather than the top half? Or is yeah, it really you just know, you like Mason Scottsdale more? And if that's the case, so <laughs> be it. You know, this is going to be funny you say this. And Salt River Fields faces the Northeast and Camelback Ranch faces the Southeast. And there is not a single seat of shade if you go to Camelback Ranch and those seats are such a light color and you know it's funny the public address announcer at Salt River Fields is Patrick Legree great guy strongly recommend you know people are going to recognize him more for his voice than his face of course but anyways Patrick will travel around and he'll work when he's not doing PA announcing at Salt River he will work at these different ballparks, just putting stats together, working for the league as a representative. And I was sitting with him talking about these rankings because he happened to see my purple row article, putting them together. So he's going, you know, of course he's biased to salt river. And he was talking about just the seating arrangement at Camelback ranch. I hope he doesn't get upset with me saying this, but he was saying it's, it's kind of more unwatchable than some of the other venues. And he's saying, you know, if you show up to Camelback Ranch and you see it just walking around, touring it, checking it out, you're going, you're going to think this place is exceptional. But you're going to get to about the fourth inning and you're going to start realizing, going, this is a lot more challenging if you forgot the hat, the sunscreen, and the sunglasses. You know, you really got to plan ahead to enjoy this place. So that alone, you know, it's funny. I actually really do enjoy Camelback Ranch more than most people, at least from those general opinions that I had kind of heard in the different press boxes. So I think it's very spot on to say, you know, it is a miniature Salt River Fields. I think I I say, I think I know it was the exact same architecture company that designed Salt River Fields. They were the same ones that did Camelback Ranch, I believe two years earlier. So very similar footprint, very similar outreach. It's also kind of distant outside of the city, you know, not to say that it's a bad thing where it's located, but it's kind of in the suburbs of West Glendale. And that's 
you know, Salt River Fields, the placement of where it is, if you're going to put a 13 field complex up, you know, that's as far as having everything so isolated and in such a popular part of the city, I think that definitely scores at some points. So it's, I think in, in those rankings, I put, I put surprise stadium above Camelback ranch. And that was something that I actually really struggled with as far oh, as, that's yeah, that was, I know, man. Well, and it's just the seating. Oh, I know. And especially like I kept, it was like, I, I wanted to, like, I can't bash on Camelback ranch for this. And, you know, seeing more and seeing it through as the fall league progressed, I was like, you know, I'm really starting to like Sloan Park and this place is growing on me just from the fact of, you know, the layout of this place. It's it's professional. And that's not to say that Scottsdale Stadium wasn't, but it was almost like the lure of the location started to kind of wear off going, you know, yeah, it's cool. I know this is it. But, you know, if, if all I'm doing is being at the ballpark, like I think watchability, a game at Sloan Park is better than Scottsdale Stadium similar to where a game at Salt River Fields is better than Camelback Ranch out of that same kind of spirit. So there's, man, I, I, I struggled with this as a matter of fact, and this was something like, I, I just, I couldn't come to it to, I, like you say, it was harsh. If I'm seriously putting surprise stadium above Camelback Ranch, but that was, I, I fought that quite a bit. And I would say, you know, if Camelback Ranch were facing the Northeast, like Salt River Fields was, and it had the shade, it had everything. The views at that park are beautiful. Like the mountains, if you're up in the press box, you can see just the expanse of the Phoenix Valley. And from landscape perspective, it's fantastic. Until the sun gets in your eyes and you realize that you got seven innings to go. Type of thing. So, and that's and that's basic. That's elementary level stuff for oh, Arizona. I know, man. Even even and when that's... it's only eighty degrees in November, you the sun hits you and you're like, oh wow, this. <laughs> This is, could be uncomfortable very easily, really, when it's that powerful. I don't know why it seems much more powerful in Arizona than in Colorado. Maybe you know the science sure. behind it, but but you're right. With with Salt River, uh, I had heard that you know the 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 owner of the Dodgers at the time, when you know he he saw what Salt River Fields became, he you know, <laughs> shouted a couple of expletives. Uh, he was a little disappointed, to say the least. Yeah, like, why didn't you, you know, this is only a couple years older. Why didn't you break out all the stops? And you know what? We got to we gotta stop here and, and give some credit to Kelly McGregor because I know he was at the, at the forefront of that negotiating those deals back when they broke. I think it was right in, in November of 2009 when they, you know, worked on starting uh, building Salt River Fields. And so it's pretty amazing that in just two years it went from the negotiations to Hey, now this is the gem of probably all of spring training. You know, I, the the facilities over in Florida, a lot more of them are are dated and, and they have a little bit more history and stuff to them. Probably very similar to a Scottsdale. They're all really spread out, but as far as you know, top of the line, uh, new with the technology, like you said with Hawkeye and all that. Just and this is just it's not biased too. That's the thing. It's not. Go look at other people's lists. Salt River Fields number one. You know, it's, it's, it's a special place to check that out. And especially, you know, I like what you bring up about Kelly McGregor and just the outreach that he was able to have and the consulting, you know, the one thing that I really am bummed out about Salt River Fields is that Kelly McGregor wasn't alive to see that place in what, I mean, he passed away in 2010 and then 2011 was the grand opening. And that's something that, you know, I, I never really thought of it in that context, but it's just very cool to recognize, you know, the legacy of what that guy was able to put together. Of course, everybody readily knows 
2007 and 2009 in Rockies history, but to recognize that, you know, that guy was looking out for us far more than a lot of people will particularly recognize. And at the same time, you know, I think that a lot of credit lies in the division rival Diamondbacks of putting this set up together. I know Bob Gebhard for the Rockies, former general manager, he was somebody that had a lot of spokes, a lot of, a lot of conversations about the Rockies format and how they set up their facility in there. And the Diamondback side is a lot more segregated as far as the big league half and then the minor league half. Whereas the Rockies, it's a lot more of a bigger community. They've got a huge communal locker room. They've got a huge communal cafeteria and it's a lot more embracing as far as everybody's in this together type of thing. And I think that's something that, you know, especially as you see the Rockies developing themselves into, I mean, I guess just from an organizational standpoint, recognizing this is a huge motive that they really want to do in capture with this facility. I think that's a very cool testament to what Kelly McGregor was able to put together. And I think that alone, I realize that's not something that's really heavily publicized, but I think it's even more fitting and more appropriate that as we honor that guy's legacy, it's honoring everybody as an equal and honoring everybody as part of a true family of what was put together. So, you know, I'm thrilled that you brought that up. I never really thought about that directly as far as the impact that he was able to put together, but I think that's all the more reason to recognize this place as certainly being the gym that it is today. Yeah. People want to know what is KSM out there in between Todd Helton's 17 and now Larry Walker's 33. And, and that's, you know, that's what he represents. Actually, he, they're not, he's not in between them. It's, it's 42 KSM. That's right. There you 17. go. Yeah. You got to get the order correct. And the folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans around town, especially those of our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. They're the best damn family owned dentist in the metro area and they're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like all of us. And if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group, located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has an offer every football fan should jump on. New customers can bet just $1. That's it. One. On either NFL team to score in a game, any game. And when they do score that one point, you're going to win $100 in free bets. It's really that easy and rewarding. DraftKings customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR. And new customers can bet just $1 on either NFL team to score. And if they do, you win $100 in free bets. That's promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Your Colorado rugby team is back again. And now, you should know, they're the American Raptors. Find out about this and more on the weekly DNVR rugby podcast hosted by our guy Colton Strickler. And I was going to explain to you all about what's happening with the American Raptors, the Rugby Town, USA's newest rugby team. As you know, they're athletes that have competed at the highest level in their respective sports like football, basketball, baseball, etc. They're learning the sport along with you. Colton's going to break all of that down for you on the DNVR Rugby Podcast. And the best thing about hitting up an American Raptors game is that they're free. That's right. Free games, free tickets at AmericanRaptors.com. And also, if you can't make it to the game, you can go to AmericanRaptors.com because they're going to be streaming all of their games from the website. Check it out. AmericanRaptors.com. 
All right, another thing you did, Mr. Wick, that I agreed with you on was number one, surprise Sueros is the best cap. It's the best cap right now. Peoria is the worst. So they've got the worst stadium <laughs> and the worst cap on both of our lists. And you know what? As you said, you talked about some of the stadiums growing on you. You know what cap is actually growing on me? I don't like it. Oh, here but we go. It's growing on me. Salt River Rafters. That's right. Really? The toothpaste hat. The cold meat hat itself. <laughs> I think because, you know, the ore and bat logo is just so iconic. Like that, if you had to almost pick one logo to be the Arizona Fall League logo, like if you had to like totally change it, it would be like, you know, for MLB, you know, I, I don't know what logo in MLB you would choose to represent. You know, maybe it would be uh, the Red Sox sock right? Because it doesn't have a B for Boston. It doesn't have the interlocking NY, but you know, all right. Yeah. Teams wear stirrups, socks, like that could kind of encapsulate baseball in one logo. I think the original salt river Raptors logo did that with the ore and the bat. And so then going away from that was with total misstep, but you know what? It's kind of growing on me a little bit, Justin. You know, I, I mean, I respect it. I mean, honestly, it's funny you say that. I put together the game notes for the fall league this year. And one of the questions that we, we would do player profiles and we would feature, you know, what's your favorite restaurant in Arizona? What's like your favorite emoji? We would ask these people just all kinds of off the cuff questions that we put in the game notes. And one of them that I always tried to ask was, what is your favorite? I, I said visiting cap because I didn't want them to bash their own hat or praise their own. What's your favorite opposing hat in the fall league? And I could not believe the amount of people that happened to say the Salt River Raptors was their favorite hat. And I always had to ask them, I'm going, is it just because of the teal? Like, you know, that's a very vibrant color that it stands out. And, you know, like, I mean, it's a huge logo of the toothpaste slash waves on the front of the hat. And it also happens to be such a distinguishable color for a lot of these people. So that's, you know, it's funny you say that. I walked past the merchandise stand at Salt River Fields on multiple occasions, and I was like, I need to get one of those. Like, I was, I'm going, I, I really want to get one of these. And, you know, I know it's very easy for me to fangirl it after you appraise it a little bit, but I kept seeing it, and I would second that as far as, you know, this was a hat that it's different. It's I think it's safe to say it's an acquired taste, if you will. But at the same time, I know the old previously before they did the boat paddle and the bat, the, cr the cross pattern that the rafters ended up putting together a couple of years ago, they used to have an older hat and it was that same design of the wave like they have. It wasn't as ornate or as put together as it is currently anyways, but they've kind of resurrected the old logo. They spiced it up a little bit and I think it's it's far better than the original rendition. I'll put it that way. But as I'm looking through, you know, it's certainly the Peoria, the pig on the Havelina, you know, I'm kind of neutral and it's like a neon, like green that never really captured what I was looking for anyways. But it's interesting as far as recognizing the way that these different hats have come together. The Arizona Fall League previously, I think before 2019, when they went to the new logos that they have now, it was all like red, yellow, and orange colors of the surprise saguaro was just a really just slick looking saguaro cactus that I happened to pick up one of those hats that we had on the, in the emergency reserve. And they were like, yeah, you can take it. And I mean, that's, that's one of my go-tos now, but it started, it was interesting because, you know, they started to transition towards more, I guess, recognizable detailed logos, as opposed to the simplified hat logos that you might see on just traditional big league hats. So the Mesa Solar Sox new hat started to grow on me a little bit too, even though it's, 
about the biggest, most vibrant looking sun that you will ever imagine right here. But their grounds crew at Sloan Park wore them. And I was like, that looks really sharp right there. So, of course, it's a lot bigger than any other hat logo that you're going to. I mean, if you're used to the CR on the front of a Rockies hat, you're going to see this sun looking like a solar octopus with all these legs coming out of it. <laughs> but that, that was a fun one. one. That was one. That one moved it was up interesting, on the list. Man. You know, and you know what kind of like changed my perspective a little bit? Because I think, at least for me, when I look at a cap, I'm thinking, am I going to wear that? So that's kind of sure. a huge element, right, in the design. And, and, and not always, because I still don't think I would ever wear a teal cap like the Salt River <laughs> Rafters, but I can still appreciate it. And Mesa Solar Sox, when seeing the guys down the field from the Fall Stars game wearing that, it, it just looked great on the players. You know what I mean? And, and the Scorpions cap, I, I've owned like one red cap in my life, and it was like the Fred Durst, Limp Bizkit, Red New York Yankees cap. <laughs> you know, this is a mistake. You know, I was a kid at the time. But like, You're I from just Jersey, see, right? Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Have I mentioned that? <laughs> and so, like, I, I don't really do red caps. Like, I, I do dig that. It does look like, uh, you know, a late 90s NWO Sting, like, kind of WCW uh, logo there. It's a deep cut for the wrestler, wrestling fans out there. So, but that looks good on the players, too. So, it really, it really depends on, you know, where the context, I think, of the cap, too, a bit. Sure. And that's, you know, it, it's funny to me just because, you know, you see these with the different big league colors, like the San Francisco Giants, they're still wearing their orange and their cream uniforms at home, but then they have a red hat on it. So it was a different layer. And this is something that was interesting talking with the fall league staff. So if we were trying to come up with what are the best hat combinations with the big league uniforms and the Rockies purple and gray or the, the pinstripes, the purple with the teal was something that people were really like talking about. This is a good look right there. And you know, the Giants were kind of the more like standout ones that were really kind of just offsetting because, you know, you got a red hat with the orange, but it still kind of looked good because it was different and it was new and it was something that you weren't used to seeing. But another hat that I noticed, the Glendale Desert Dogs hat, and it was a black hat with an orange bill and it's got like a circular like coyote howling at the moon pretty much. And that one started to grow on me. And I know this is a rocky show and people are going to bash me for this. Looked really sharp with a Dodger uniform, honestly. Because, I mean, you got the home, you got the Dodger blue, you got the all whites, you got maybe the high socks with the Dodger blue. And then you just put this black and orange hat on top of it. And I'm going, that looks that looks really clean right there. It looks like the Broncos is what it looks like. That's Save yourself you there. That, I there saved you, go. you we, Justin. <laughs> I know I was about to walk into a death trap right there. People the DNVR mob me. was going to come after you for that. But no, no, no. It's okay, folks. <laughs> It's blue and orange, like the Broncos. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking oh, that, man. like, what are the worst combinations? And some of them, that, again, on paper, you go, I just don't think they would go together, but they, they do, you know what I mean? And so sure. yeah, I'd be curious, what are the worst combinations? And then, you know, what, what would be the best ones? <laughs> I know there was the San Diego Padres with the offset gray and brown with the green javelina. That was that was a very acquired. You had to you had to really appreciate that one to say the least. That's bad. And you, and you talked about some of the previous logos. That would be another article I'd I'd love to see if go back and find all the different iterations of the logos. There hasn't been too many in the past, but kind of, you know, they do a good job of honoring, I think, the history of the Arizona Fall League at Scottsdale Stadium is where their little, you know, Hall of Fame is located. You can see plaques for Roy Holiday, Matt Holiday, and Todd Helton, you know, as they were all inducted 
into, into that hall of fame. So they've got plaques up there, which is, which is really cool to see, but you know, it might be nice if, how about, I'm going to pitch you a couple ideas as, as the AFL representative. What if on October 24th of every year, all the players wore the number 42 in honor of the day Jackie Robinson passed away. That's some juicy stuff right there, man. That's, that could that's work. Some, I mean, draw some attention to the league too. do a big tribute for that kind of thing. Draw some people out for it. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm a hundred percent about it. Believe me. I mean, if I got to pull my inside perspective to try to straighten this thing out, that's some, that's some juicy stuff. Especially if it's an off day in the postseason. That's the thing. You don't want to take, I don't think the AFL is going to be taking attention away from the playoffs or the world series, <laughs> but there are people that just, just want baseball content nonstop. Why was there not a home run derby before the fall stars game? Justin? Yeah, that's like now, you know, now I'm throwing questions at you. Cause I want Man. answers and now I'm a- <laughs> It's funny you should bring that up. The Arizona Fall League for years used to do their hitting challenge. It was always the Saturday before the season got started. And this was, I'm trying to think, if you take a home run derby, but I'll I'll really throw it back. For those familiar with the PlayStation MVP Baseball 2005 minigame with all the ramps and all the different, like, I mean, if you pictured that and you turned it into a home run derby of a bunch of pro guys, that was what they used to do with the Arizona Fall League hitting challenge. And I know they used to they used to host this at Sloan Park. That was kind of the staple. That was to get everybody together. And it takes a lot to really pull it off. And it's tough, too, because, you know, you're dealing with minor leaguers that are pretty, I, I hate to call them fragile, but these organizations aren't really taking chances with it to where you need to be pretty cautious as far as just the well-being of these guys and the swings and the max effort for the fall league. And do you want to balance it there? But I think as far as, you know, really luring like you say, the fall stars game, I think that would have been perfect, especially right before it, you know, you can, you don't even need to have a full scale, just turn it into, we're going to turn the last couple of rounds of batting practice. We're going to take the cage away. We're going to put the L screen out. All the nets are clear. We're going to allow everybody on the warning track. We're going to line it up just like the big league home run derby, but we're just going to do it at a smaller scale. I think that would bring a lot of people out to the ballpark and especially you're going to start developing an understanding for just the power of what these guys have. I remember 2016 I was at the fall stars game and Cody Bellinger just turned on a home run that I still remember to this day as one of the furthest ones I've seen hit. And the following year, Cody Bellinger goes on to do everything that he did with the Dodgers. That was something that it was such a great precursor to recognize that I could identify to that one moment of, I knew him before the world knew him. And it was all because of the Arizona fall league. I'm thinking if you did something like that at the fall stars game, not only would that just, magnify the attendance to so much more but it's also going to make it more recognizable for a lot of these players to ultimately be identified and if that's a big premise of the Arizona Fall League I think that would be a great option so you know you bring that up I would definitely be a taker on that you know they'd already be there it wouldn't be any extra stress on their back just a couple extra swings turn it into a little small scale derby and I think that's the way to really get this thing rolling Patrick my friend we're going to need to put you on the staff here to make these these things set in motion right here man I'll, I'll work PR department. I'll do double duty here at PNVR, whatever I got to do. Yeah, more televised games, I think, you know, would, would be great. I found out far too late that Mike Farron was calling. I don't know if he was doing it for the entirety of the Arizona Fall League, but he was there, you know, for the week leading up to the Fall Stars game and was doing play-by-play. And MLB Network was actually airing it in the evening at some point. So right, right around probably 8 o'clock mountain standard time. And I was like, Oh, that would, that would be fun to, you could just listen to a game. Sure. It, it happened earlier in the day, but it's not like we're getting, you know, Twitter notifications from John Heyman about what happened in the Arizona fall league <laughs> that day. So it still seems like it's brand new 
and live to us. So I want to see more televised games. And I want to see, and I don't know if this is possible. I don't know if this is a union thing, why it happens at the major league level and not the minor league level. But if minor league baseball and major league baseball wants these minor leaguers to get a little more notoriety and have people be familiar with them, have a fantasy baseball league on the AFL website. It, it doesn't even need to be against other people where you're drafting. It can be simple where you have so much of a budget and, you know, all right, you can only spend on one of these top fall stars and you got to have, you know, a couple other guys, whatever it is. But that's how you dive into it. That's how I dove into English Premier League soccer when I first really started getting into it in the late 2000s was through fantasy soccer and learned all the players, learned all the teams, all that stuff. So I think that would be a really cool idea for the AFL as well. You know, that's actually, that's a hell of a point that you put together right now. And I think that's something that, you know, especially just to recognize the names. It's so easy when you have the big league, just the visibility of, you know, you've mentioned MLB TV. It's so easy just to be able to recognize major leaguers just because it's so accessible. And that's always, I think, the tough part of the Arizona Fall League, especially when you're kind of competing with the Major League Baseball postseason. You've got all of the biggest names in baseball on the biggest stage. But at the same time, you know, you really do have a devout group of people that really want to consume this game in any form that they're able to put together. So I thought that was something that was, it was very cool from a media standpoint, realizing how much that our coverage really picked up after the World Series was finished up and seeing that there really is a market for it, especially. But at the same time, you know, you almost have to have a refined taste for minor leaguers to be able to fully appreciate what the league is. And at the same time, you mentioned, you know, maybe there is a fantasy baseball option like this. There's something as far as the streaming of these games, that was something that we were able to put together a lot of them at Salt River Fields toward the back half of the season, just because we had the equipment there. We were able to set up just a simple camera setup. And I definitely know that's something that we've really looked into heavily. And that's something that I think a lot of people would appreciate to be able to put that together. But it's fun to be able to recognize, you know, you don't necessarily need to be a diehard fan in order to start developing an awareness for who these kind of guys are, especially thanks to what MLB Network was able to put together. If you didn't know any minor leaguers prior to the Arizona Fall League, you know, you turn into the Fall Stars game, you tune into the championship game, and you're able to pick up so much content and just so many names of top performers and the kind of people that are really doing some big things in this game, or at least the next face of where it's going to be. So, I know there's a lot of things that I hate to say in the works, but I mean, it's definitely something that there's a lot of options that you can really put together. And it's very gratifying to recognize that, you know, there's a lot of people that are so committed to this league and the people that are really in it. So that's, I mean, I would definitely be a taker. I mean, honestly, if we can get fantasy baseball rolling for the Arizona fall league, man, I'll be the ambassador for it and we'll crank it out. So by all means, but there's a lot of cool things that are being set in motion. And it's very cool to see that there's a loyal group of people that are really making it happen. Yeah. You, uh, besides working for the Arizona Fall League this past autumn, you, you're you still writing for the Purple Row, and I uh, wrote about all these things that we've been talking about today, so make sure you're checking out Justin's articles at the Purple Row. But one of the cool things that you put out, and it's something that I've been thinking about and been upset about, but you know, there's bigger fish to fry, is the evolution of ball, a beautiful structure that you know, used to be right outside of Coors Field. It's kind of been missing in action. It's, it's a fact, I think it's weight. It's just being stashed in a, in a parking lot near Coors Field. The picture that I think was uh, taken from a, a Denver Post article was, was that parking lot you can kind of see where it's just it's totally just sitting there. And I, I just thought you had a really you know creative idea of like, well, it can go somewhere else. If there's not a place for it at Coors Field somewhere, well, there's, there's other locations that are Rockies related and Colorado sports fan related 
that it could still be appreciated for people who grew up going to those games. I mean, I grew up, you know, walking underneath that thing and being mesmerized by it and wishing I had two hours to look at every single ball, <laughs> you know, but of course you're a kid and you're like, keep up or, you know, you're going to be left behind. But so you, <laughs> you soak in those, that 15 seconds you got of looking at it and turning around and walking through it. And it was, I love it. Yeah. I, I personally sure. I have that connection to it too. So I, I love what you wrote about that. Yeah, you know, it was something, you know, I was I was trying to figure out just especially in off-season content when, you know, you really miss the ballpark atmosphere. And this was something I remember during the pandemic, just I put a lot of stuff together just about, you know, what is it going to feel like when we get the opportunity to walk through the concourse again, when the gates to Coors Field finally opened? You know, fortunately they did. It was to the grander scale than any of us recognized. But I guess my motive of when I first recognized I wanted to put an article like this together and suggest new locations, it was during All-Star Week when I went back to Coors Field and I felt like the only thing that was missing, like, I mean, it was was literally perfect. Like that whole week was flawless. And I mean, anybody that's tuning in will second me on this, I know. But, you know, I got back home and I was thinking, you know, is there literally anything that I've missed? And I was going, you know, this would have like... I wouldn't have thought much about it because I've seen it and it's not like a huge deal as opposed to, you know, maybe somebody that was visiting from out of state, but, you know, I can only imagine for all the other 29 fan bases in the big leagues, if they were walking into Coors Field and saw that thing, like I thought that would be a very cool thing to show off. And then it got me thinking, well, there's a lot more than just a baseball crowd that could really show this off. You know, we could put this somewhere around the city, draw attention to the game, draw attention to just the recognition of baseball being a baseball city or excuse me, Denver being a baseball city. So I know there's been different parks around. I mean, the comments section on Purple Row, this was awesome to be able to see a lot of discussion being put together on this, but a lot of different locations around town where maybe there's a ballpark that's been a little bit more historic, not so much to the elevation of what Coors Field is, but maybe there's a location that we could really give back and pay tribute to. And especially if it's just kind of sitting in a parking lot, maybe there's a way to make this the way it's a truly a give back for a great group of people. So I know I put together a listing of different settings. I mean, I, I don't need to walk through all of them, of course, but there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of perspective locations that you could end up putting something like this up. I think, you know, it's going to take a lot of convincing of the artist that put it together because, you know, when you, when you put up an art installation and you remove it as any Miami Marlins fan will readily know with Marlins Park, you know, <laughs> it takes a little bit more than a smile to move something like that in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, all the while, I really do think that there's a great place to put this thing up especially for the city of Denver to hopefully make an initiative to set something like this in motion. The reason that I wanted to put this article together is hopefully raise awareness toward, you know, there is a place to put this thing. And, you know, I think that would mean a lot to people like myself and yourself and anybody that grew up seeing this and seeing how special it truly was. I do feel there's a great place to put this up, whether it be around Coors Field or around somewhere else in the city. And, you know, I think there's going to be a perfect placement to make this happen. And I'm hopeful that one of these days we'll see that thing back in action and better than ever. Well, make sure you are checking out that article. We won't spoil anything. Go find out some locations. And one that is, well, it's in the title of the art installation itself. So that might even be the most perfect, as it were, (laughs) especially if there's a little sponsorship stipend for the artist. You know, we know how those things can go. So make sure you're over there checking out all of Justin's articles over at Purple Row. You're at Just Wick on twitter when's the tiktok channel coming you're working on that yet man you know i've tried to i've tried not to touch that with a 10-foot pole because i get consumed in that stuff way too easy but man you never know we'll keep our eyes and ears open right there all right well we'll we'll have a breaking podcast just for when that day comes (laughs) i'm sure you'd have some good baseball content on that so 
Yeah, and, uh, he's Justin Wick. Make sure you're following me at Patrick D Lions on Twitter. Our our account, of course, covering all of the Rockies baseball and Colorado baseball news at DNVR underscore Rockies for DNVR Sports. He's Justin Wick. I'm Patrick Lyons. Thanks for tuning in to the DNVR Rockies podcast. And the folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans around town, especially those of our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like all of us. And if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group, located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.